Hey everybody, welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan. I pray that this week's message may encourage you and that it would keep you moving forward in your walk with Christ. Thomas, in the Word of God, in the book of John chapter 20, was known for being Doubting Thomas. And in that Doubting Thomas, that one part of the scripture in verse 25, we read where he says, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and later on he says, And put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Have you ever made a bad choice in life or a poor decision that ended up costing you your reputation? And from now, from this point on, people begin to see you as what your past was or that poor decision you made. Well, that's what Thomas experienced. Thomas experienced a form of being defined by that one moment that he did not believe uh, he was defined as doubting Thomas. But I love how the Lord just totally surrounds him picks him up, changes his story, and rewrites the story because shortly thereafter that, eight days later, he makes the biggest profession of faith and recognizes by faith. He saw this by faith. He was looking for something physical, but by faith he was able to see the nails, the print of the nails, and on the, in the side of the Lord he was able to feel it. And because he had believed by faith, he was able to see this to where God had, mentioned, had stated to him, because you have believed and have seen so I want you to be encouraged this week. I want you to see what God is doing in your life. Even though it has not happened yet, what you've been praying for, what you've been seeking God for, it is already being worked out for your good. God is already working on it. You have to believe it 100%. Do not doubt in that moment like Thomas did, but know that just like God was faithful to Thomas and showed him what he had prayed for, God will do the same for you. I pray that this week's message may bless you. Share it with somebody that needs to hear it. Um, you know, and hey, be blessed. Let us know. Drop a comment. Let us know what you think and have a blessed week. God bless you. As you are there standing, let us open our Bibles to the book of John chapter 20. We're going to be reading John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29. John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29. I want to thank the praise team and uh, thank you for bearing with us. We are trying some new approaches to our music. Amen. We want to just incorporate and keep learning and we want to fill this place up. Amen. So if you heard some odds and ends and mistakes, you give glory to God because we're in the learning process. Amen. And um, I believe that today God is going to speak to you and I believe he's going to plant something in your spirit that you're going to be able to reap later on in life or in this week. So without further ado, the book of John chapter 20 Verses 24 through 29. The word of God says as this. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. When he refers to them, the word of God says them. He's talking about the gathering of the disciples. They were all together, but Thomas was not there. The other disciples therefore said to him, talking to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands in the print, in the, unless I see in his hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Can we just stop right there and think for a moment what just was read? Here is Thomas and the disciples are saying, We've seen Jesus resurrected already. He's out. And Thomas says, unless I see his in his hands the print of his nails, and I put my finger on the print of his nails, and I put my hand on his side, then I will believe. But he says, I will not believe unless he does that. Verse 26 says, and after eight days, everybody say eight days. Eight 
So it was not the same day. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came. The doors were being shut. And he stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, specifically to Thomas, pay attention to that. Reach out your finger here. And look at my hands. And reach your hand here. And put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing, but believe. And Thomas answered him and said, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. And I'll say that one more time. Blessed are those who have not yet seen, but have believed. You may have your seats giving glory to God. I've entitled today's message, unless I see in his hands, unless I see in his hands, what was Thomas talking about? Why was it important to understand that what we read, Thomas was saying, unless I see it in his hands, what does that mean? Meaning Thomas was just, you know, Jesus has just risen from the tomb. Um, he begins to make appearances. He shows himself to Mary uh, in the tomb. And Mary, you know, believe it or not, when he shows himself to Mary, he's talking to Mary. And you know what Mary thinks he is? Mary thinks he's the gardener of the area. And Jesus eventually tells him, Mary. And she's like, oh, my gosh, it's you, Jesus. Then he goes to reveal himself as risen to most of the apostles. The first time, the eight days before, he reveals himself to a gathering, just like you and I are gathering here. And imagine that the doors are closed, but then in the midst of them, you know, this man shows up, and, 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 he, and he makes it known that he is Jesus Christ. He is the one that said he was going to raise, and he resurrected, and he's there in a form now. But in his, you know, in his godly form, he still bears the scars and the marks of when he was crucified. Amen? So then he goes because Thomas wasn't there. So then the second time, eight days later that we just read, that there were the disciples were gathered just like again in the room again. And they're all there. And then guess who shows up? Jesus shows up. And he says, peace be to, with you. And the purpose I believe that Jesus shows up is because there was one apostle that wasn't there the first time. But you notice that right away he didn't say, where's Thomas? He looked at Thomas and said, Thomas, give me your hand. Amen. He looks to Thomas and he begins to say, reach, reach your finger here. And he puts his finger on his hands. And in his hands are the scars of the nails. And in his hands are the scars of the, the nails that went through it. And on his side was where they had pierced him with the spear. I believe that God let that happen because not because he was obligated to, because he had to do it. I believe he did it because he wanted to, because he wants people to know that he's alive and that the God that you and I serve today still is alive and he's living and he's in a throne, but he's here in our spirits and he's amongst us. Hallelujah. And, and you know, when we come to worship God, we're not worshiping a God that's dead in the grave. Hallelujah. Our God has resurrected. Hallelujah. Amen. But perhaps you've heard of the story. There is a story that, uh, it's, a Tom, it's a story of Thomas, and he's known as Doubting Thomas. He took a, a bad rap in a way. He took a bad rap for being that one moment that he said, you know, I'm not going to believe unless, in other words, I get something physical. Unless, Brother Rowe, I can touch something physical and see it with my eyes, then I'll believe it. He was doubting at first. 
when the apostles were saying, trust me, dude, trust me, you're kind of, God is alive, I saw him, and I, yeah, well, until he comes, and he comes to me, you know, we are, right, we're just the same way, well, until God comes to my front door, and knocks on my door, I'm not going to give in, sound familiar, but put yourself in his shoes, this, that's, Take a, a thought walk, uh, you know, amongst your imagination. You're hearing that Jesus is risen and you're there. You, you, you know that when you walk with Jesus, he had said, I'm going to rise and I'm going to raise up. And on the third day, I'm going to be resurrected and, and I'm going to be risen to my kingdom. Right. And uh, you're there and you're, and you're hearing that these people come back and they're saying, we saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. And you're kind of like, oh, come on, dude. We, we know that. He, I know he's going to re- resurrect, but don't let it get to your head, man. Yeah, you got to use you, but don't get let it get out of hand until, you know, until we're for sure. Until we're sure we're not going to say that because if we look, if we say that and he's not really there, then we're going to look dumb. That's just us imagining, right? I mean, I believe you and I would be uh, thinking the same thing. We would have been excited like, can, can this be true? Like, Sister Becca, is God really, oh my gosh, please tell me it's so. But, but hold on a second. I, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I want to take a baby step. I want to take little small steps to make sure we get to God. Amen? And maybe you would have thought, could this be our Lord? Could, could, are, are we sure, you know, ha, 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 can we make sure? Uh, uh, what makes you so sure that you saw him? Uh, uh, you know, what did you see? And then Thomas is like, you know, you know I, I'm not going to, unless I feel Unless I feel him, then I'm going to believe it. I believe that Thomas took, you know, in that one moment, people take the opposite of Thomas and they label him as doubting Thomas. Yeah, he did have unbelief at that time. Yeah, he did doubt. He wasn't faithful enough to believe in that moment. But it wasn't the fact that he doubted that God did the biggest thing. You see, because in your own failures, when you fall short of the glory of God, God does something miraculously in your life. He'll take your whatever you have struggled with. He'll take whatever you have been going through. And in the right, in the moment, or the moment of the perfect time, he steps in and makes something different than what it would have, should have could have been hallelujah let me give you an example hallelujah Thomas is the one that says I'm not gonna do it unless God shows up guess what God does God comes around the next eight days later and says Thomas put your hand in here and he says believe you better believe don't don't do not not believe you have to believe and the moment that Thomas begins to see things he's not literally seeing it with his physical eyes as he is with his faith though You get where I'm going with that. His faith was what carried him in to see that. Because the moment he said that, Jesus says, Thomas, you have believed. Therefore, you have seen. You have seen what you have believed. You believe what you've seen. What does that mean for us? Is there some things in our lives that we don't know and we can't see? We can't see what's ahead of us. Hallelujah. But we have to believe that God can and he will do it. Hallelujah. We have to believe that the almighty God that Thomas was talking to can come to you today and say, Brother Freddie, I know you can't see what's beyond that little curtain there, but you got to trust me. Hallelujah. Because when you pass the curtain, you'll see my wounds. You'll see my scars on the side, hallelujah. And you'll know that I am the God that that Thomas was speaking about. Don't let your past control your future. Don't let what went wrong, what didn't happen, the way people labeled Thomas as a doubting Thomas. The best part about Thomas was this, is that in the end, he had the greatest faith to believe that, hey, if I look at God, this man who says he's God, and I believe that I'm going to see what he's telling me I'm going to see, I'm going to see it. And what did he do? He saw it. Amen? But poor Thomas, I got to, you know, I feel a little bad for him because he, he really did take a rap. You know, Peter denied Christ three times. Amen? But you don't hear us referring to him as denying Peter. Right? 
But Thomas has one instance that he messes up. Just like you and I sometimes, we have that one moment where we mess up and we don't make the right decision. And then people label us and say, oh, you're one of those people. Oh, you're that person. Oh, you're the fake Christian. Oh, you're the fake believer. Oh, you think you know this, but you don't know that. And, and, and we start believing the lie. But Thomas didn't believe the lie. On the contrary, Thomas said, you know what, I might have messed up the first time. I might have not have recognized and I might have been like, okay, I can't believe it. But this man is before me. I'm willing to take a chance. Can I get some people today that are willing to take a chance? That are willing to say, you know, unless I see his hands, I, you know, and they say, you know, instead of unless I see, when I see his hands, when I see what he's going to do in my life, when I see how he's going to take me to another place, then I will continually know that he is God and I will just worship and praise him. Hallelujah. I don't have to see things with my physical eyes to know that God exists. I don't have to know that, that God is moving in my life because I'm looking for something physical. I know because I feel him. Hallelujah. I said I feel him when I'm walking. I feel him when I'm talking. I feel him all over me. Hallelujah. You, you see, it takes a real believer to know that. You've got to know that you've got to push. Sometimes you won't hear answers. Sometimes you won't hear the, the voice of God at times. But you've got to keep pressing on. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen to that? You have to forgive me. I get excited when I preach about the God, about our God and, his, and, you know, what he does. I believe there's no other way to preach it. I mean, you know, it just comes out the way it needs to. But many of us have done things in our past. I want you to reflect on something. Anything that you had that didn't go so well. You know, we've done things that we're not proud of. And we get defined by that moment of a poor decision. You know, people just love to hold on to things. You know, and we're guilty of it ourselves. My sister and I laugh all the time about a situation way back when we were younger about, you know, some people that stayed in my house and they weren't happy. And I never forgot it, though. It never left my mind. And sometimes it's hard to remove the thorns out, amen, because you go like this. You're like, man, that thorn was huge, man. That was a deep gash. But it's gone, but I still feel it, you know. And we, we, we joke about that. But it, imagine that you're defined by that moment forever. But on the, now I want you to think on the other side. Imagine that you, you take the, the Thomas approach and you say, yeah, I doubted. I didn't believe Brother Freddie at first. I didn't believe. I didn't believe in him. But I do now. And I believe that God can do it. And you start moving forward in a walk with Christ. And, and let me just tell you something. That your past is not, your future is not determined by your past. You must, uh, the reason I say that so much is because a lot of us stay in our past. We stay behind. We don't advance because every time we get a few steps, somebody comes along and reminds us and say, remember you were that person? Remember you had a problem? Remember you can't, remember you did this? And remember you did that? And you're like, how can I forget? You remind me every week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? You have to change what the past has been holding against you. You have to create new chapters. God is writing your story today. You, you are the one that determines what comes next as far as what's going to be written. He determines the end, but you determine the path you take. Hallelujah. And God's waiting to rewrite some chapters. Hallelujah. He wants to create some new chapters in your life that you can say, on this chapter, I failed a thousand times, but I give glory to God. Because the next page, you can see how God brought me out from the thousand times and went in the next page how God is going to take me from point 1,000 failures to graving glory to God to now I'm walking in God's favor. Hallelujah. 
Oh, pastor, but unless I see in his hands, unless I see him with my physical eyes, I don't believe that he's going to do what you say he's going to do. You lack faith. You have to believe that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, them that persistently seek him. Those people that don't, that they get up and they say, I got to find a way to give glory to God somehow because I got so much built into me. And yes, I'm crying. Yes, my family's a mess. Yes, I have problems. Yes, my job is just a different situation. But I give glory to God because I know that once I get past this storm, God, you are going to do something great. I want you to stay encouraged. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to love you. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord is not done with you yet. If there was an 80-year-old woman, I would be telling her the same thing. I would be telling your sister, don't give up. Because in some way, somehow, you are a pillar to somebody. You are a stepping pillar that you're going to help uplift some of the younger generation. I would be telling that to an 80-year-old. You are all basically under 30, 38 years old. Amen? All of you are under 38 years old. You still have plenty of time that God can do something in your life. But where John places the story is just right in the middle, right in the middle of a brief moment of unbelief. And everybody just focuses in on Thomas's faults. Just, you messed up, Thomas. You doubted God. And you walked with God. Shame on you. <laughs> and he takes this rap. But he, he makes the biggest testimony is in, in, you know, I believe from an unbeliever's perspective, somebody who doesn't believe in God, the biggest Unbelief is found in that section, but at the same time, he makes the biggest statement without even having to ask questions. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God, meaning he recognized instantaneously that that was his Lord and his God. Hallelujah. He didn't need someone to say, you see, you see, I, I, you know, we proved to you that he's God. He didn't have to say that because he recognized and said, there, I, I recognize him. Hallelujah. I walk with him. Hallelujah. He wiped my tears on some days. He took me up some days. Some days along the road, my feet were dirty. But at a last supper, he washed my feet to show me that he was going to be with me. Hallelujah. And now that I, the one moment that I doubted, you know, he came back and gave me a second chance to redeem myself. Has he given you anybody a second chance to redeem yourself? Hallelujah. I'll tell you right now, I am a second chance believer. What does that mean? I've been given a second chance. I've been given a second chance because I was like doubting Thomas in my life. I made some bad decisions. I made some bad mistakes. And I did some things that were not honoring God. Hallelujah. But God said, I'm coming back eight days later to you. And I'm going to give you one more chance. Can you see me before you without having to physically touch me? Hallelujah. But what was it that convinced Thomas? Let's think about this. Let's break this down. What convinced Thomas? What did Thomas say that he was going to, unless he saw what? His print, the nails, the side. He says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, which means the scar that left there, and I put my finger in there. He actually wanted to touch it and put my hand on his side. I will not believe 
I just told you that he recognized God. But you know why he recognized them? Because he saw the scars. He saw the wounds. Hallelujah. Just like you and I, when we look upon that cross, we see transgressions. Hallelujah. That were wiped out. We see sin that was wiped out. We see a second chance when we look at the cross of Calvary. Do you know why? Because it was suffering and pain. And we're seeing the scars in his hands. We're seeing the poking in the, in the side. He has some deep wounds that he took for you and I so that we can live. Hallelujah. Thomas was asking the Lord with conditions. And the Lord didn't have to do it. I don't believe the Lord had to do anything he didn't want to do. But he did it because he loves his children. And let me just share something with you. When you speak to God, he listens to you. He hears you just like he heard Thomas. Think about that. Thomas was not in the same place as the other disciples the first time. And nobody went to Jesus and said, Jesus, before you, Jesus, before you go in, Make sure that you let him feel your, 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 the nails in your hand, okay? And then on the side, too. Don't forget the side. Because if you forget the side, Brother Raul, he's not going to believe that it's you. God didn't need that. Jesus just showed up. Boom. Peace be with all of you. Amen. Amen, Jesus. Thomas, give me your hand. You know, like right away. Straight into it. He had a mission. He wanted to show Thomas that, hey, you know what? You believed in the right person. Hallelujah. You believed in the right thing. And what you asked, I have heard and I have honored. Because you have not doubted but believed. You doubted at first, but in this moment, you have an opportunity to believe or doubt again. And he chose to believe. Amen? So I, I thought to myself, if God was already resurrected and his body was transformed, why would he still have the wounds, right? Well, I mean, think about that for a moment. If you're God, why would you carry the wounds on there, right? Why would you carry wounds? Why would not the Lord be completely restored in his perfect being that he is and just be God? Hallelujah. But he allowed his disciples and Thomas to see this. Because they had to be reminded of, of what he had suffered and how much he loved them. That he had to sh share with them and say, you see these scars? Yeah, God, I remember that you remember because I loved you. You remembered because I died for you. You remembered because I suffered and you saw me suffer. But now you remember because you cannot go forward without remembering that there was a suffering that I suffered on the cross to set you free. Hallelujah. It was a love that was so embraced by, by the people that knew him that they recognized the cross of Calvary and the blood that he shed as a saving point of time. Hallelujah. Amen. The scars had to remind them. Let's stop. Let, let, me, let me just go off on this. Go away from this lesson real quick. What do your scars remind you of? What do you have that you have scars of? Maybe, maybe at one point in time, you had a bad decision you made. And you look back at that scar. And while you, you know you're past the scar, it reminds you of something. And it reminds you of a place that you used to be, but God brought you out of. You see where I'm going with that? The cross, is that's exactly what it represents. A reminder that Jesus suffered on the cross so that you and I could have life. That nothing was ever free in this world besides the gift of salvation. 
And that's the one that God gave on the cross. That is the spirit, that, that is the flesh that God crucified. Hallelujah. And his wounds were the proof enough that Thomas has specifically requested when the Lord appeared. So the wounds of Jesus Christ have to always be in front of us. Because they always have to give us a short reminder of who we are and who he is. And how much faithfulness, faithfulness and love that he gives to us and to his children. You see, when you look at the cross, you think... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We're looking at the cross, and it reminds us of the sacrifice that God made. So that you and I would not perish, but have everlasting life. The wounds of Jesus Christ, they have to be in front of us because they have to keep reminding us of his love and his faithfulness to those that love him. Hallelujah. It's a constant reminder that says, hey, I am your God. I am greater. I conquered death. I conquered sin. I conquered Satan. I'll conquer your problems. I'll conquer your trials. I'll conquer everything that you're going to go through. You know why? Because on a cross, I gave my life so that you could be victorious. Hallelujah. Every detail of your life is important to God. Every detail. Every thought he examines. We think we fool God at times. That's just how we are with humans. We think we can fool God and we think we can kind of, you know, you know, get away from doing things we're supposed to be doing and do the things we're not supposed to. And we think we feel, we, we like try to fool God and in our mind we think we're right. But God knows everything. His faithfulness is in the wounds. Hallelujah. Every thought, every moment, everything that you do, he knows and he's understanding. He forgave Peter and Peter denied him three times. Come on. <laughs> he forgave Thomas because Thomas doubted in a moment. And if it's one thing that God does not really appreciate is when you don't believe. God does not appreciate that as evident in the scriptures in the Bible. The people who do not believe didn't receive anything. But the people who did believe would always get a... Because you have believed or because of your faith, you believed. Because of your faith, your, your faith has made you heal. Oh, you know, and it was always about faith. But I'll tell you, can I just share with you that God is a faithful God? Hallelujah. Can I tell you that he's a faithful God? He is a complete God. And get this, he's an all-time God, which means all the time. He is an all-time God and he's good. Amen. And he is the true to his word kind of God. Where if he says he says something above, uh, over your life or he says something in his word, he is faithful to fulfill it. That's the thing about the Lord we serve. He is a faithful God. Hallelujah. And if you have had a, a, a word of a spoken word over your life, then you should have 100% confidence that God will see to it that he will do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which means if God has already promised something on your life, you keep being patient and you wait for God. Because eight days later, Thomas gets the, the, the one moment that he was looking for. He got to feel the hands of the Lord and feel the scars just like he wanted. He could have given up in the eight days, but he was faithful to remain. God was faithful to him. Eight days later, God shows him what he was looking for. That's the faithful God we serve. Amen. But I'll tell you this, trusting is probably the hardest part to do for us. Trusting in God is probably the hardest part. You know why? Because it requires you to go hands off. You have to learn how to drive hands free. You can't control anything when God's in control. 
Because he is the one that directs it. Amen? The book of Hebrews 11.1, 1, most of you know this. I say it a lot. You know, it's the hardest part because it requires faith. The word of God says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That kind of mind boggles you like, what? what? Evidence of things not seen. Things hoped for, things not seen. So you mean to tell me I have to believe in something I can't see? Yeah. That's it. And that's what the Lord loves about us. You see, because the apostles and disciples, they, they had faith, but they had Jesus there. You see the difference? A new generation comes around uh, 2,000 years later, you and I, we don't have Jesus with us necessarily in physical form, but we believe. So we know he's in our spirits. We know that he's with us because he's in spirit now. Hallelujah. You see, he looks at us and so do the disciples and the apostles and they say, man, they are even greater than we were. I can imagine them saying this. The reason I say that is because we are living in a different time where we don't have Jesus. And to, to a physical form to say, hey, God, how are you? We have him in spirit. We have faith. Faith is so hard to act upon sometimes because it requires you to believe in something you can't see, Brother Freddie. Even when Thomas had a moment, we see that he had a faithful moment. He later recognized it was Christ because he had a faith. He believed already in his mind that what he was about to see was possible because that was the true God. And then God says, believe. Believe. Look to your neighbor and say, believe. Believe. It took faith to see what the Lord wanted him to see. And then the Lord says this. This is beautiful. You take this as a promise. If you get anything out of this message, get this. Blessed are those who have not seen but yet have believed. Brother Lorenzo, you're blessed because you believe in something you can't see yet. You, but you're blessed because when you begin to pray for somebody, you know they're going to be healed. You don't see it instantaneously, but you know when they go to the doctor, guess what they're going to say? They're going to come back and say, you know, remember that prayer you did? Yeah, ever since then, I, I, I went to the doctor. The doctor said there was, you know, the report said I was good. There was no cancer in the body. There was no diabetes in the body. And, and, and I'm healed. I don't know what happened, but thank you so much for your prayer. I'll tell you what happened. Somebody that was faithful enough to believe that even though they can't see it happening, it's going to be done. Hallelujah. We are a church that lives by faith. We have, we have some empty slots here of chairs. I, I'm crazy enough to believe that one day we'll fill them up. I'm crazy one day to believe that one day we'll have a bigger temple. And the bigger temple will hold many more people, hallelujah. And they're going to be hungry for the work of God. You know, you might say, I'm crazy. That's okay. You can call me crazy Pastor John if you want. You call me cra crazy pastor. Whatever you want to call me. But I believe in my God. I believe that if I touch God and I'm able to see and feel him, hallelujah, in my spirit, I know that he is faithful to be faithful to us. Hallelujah. I know what the word of God says and I believe in it. We haven't seen Christ, but we believe and we feel him within. This is why when you come to the altar, you feel something warm hit your heart, and you start crying, and you're like, man, this is, why am I crying? It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. It's his spirit that he said, I'm going to go in a physical form. You're not going to see me anymore. But I'm going to leave you my spirit so you'll know that I'm with you. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He never left Thomas. He didn't leave the apostles. You see, the apostles, many of them, 
had given, like literally had already got discouraged. They gave up after Christ had been crucified. They, they were like all sad. They were all like running and sad and like, like us, like we would be. And then Jesus shows up again. <laughs> I find that so amazing that he, right when they're about to throw in the towel and say, why are we here? He shows up and says, peace be with you. Do not fear for I am with you. Go. Go. And that's all they needed from that point on. I believe that. I believe that's all they needed because now his spirit was with them. Now they believed and said, you remember that time that God showed up? Yeah. Man, I, I'm encouraged. I know he is with us. But why, why do we have to have faith, Pastor? Why do we have to have faith? Why, why? Why can't I just, why can't I believe for something physical? Because in order to have true faith, you got to believe that you can, you got to believe in things that you can't see with Christ. You have to believe that God is working in the church. That's when people ask me, How, hey, how's your church doing? We're still up and coming, growing, but God is good. You know why I believe that? Because you are still here today. And you're here to worship God with me. And you're here to praise God with me. And you're here to say that, hey, it may be a few at times, many at times. But either way, we keep moving forward. Hallelujah. Because one day, we will receive the gift of inheritance of the cross. Hallelujah. We're going to receive that eternal crown, that eternal heaven that's promised to us. And then we're going to, I'm hoping to hear from God, well done, faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. I, I want to hear those words from God more than anything. Hallelujah. Can we get the children? Hallelujah. Unless I see in his hands, unless I see in his hands, that was Thomas. What changed Thomas was the wounds. It really was. It was what he had asked for. It was praying. And then he finally gets the answer to his prayer. Let us all stand. You might be asking yourself, what does this have to do with me? How do I apply this to my life? I'll tell you one thing. If you can't believe in what you can't see, you're limiting the faith of God. You're limiting the power of God. You have to believe already in things that are going to happen before they happen. No, you're not psychic. If it's not in God's will, it's not going to happen. So don't go praying for some, <laughs> don't go praying for some man or some boyfriend that doesn't give glory to God and honor God. Amen? Because it's not going to happen. But, but if you pray and you believe, and you know that God is a God that we just read from the Bible that showed himself to Thomas, even though Thomas had already failed him and doubted him. If you show, your, if you show those, that faithfulness and you step out by faith, God will extend his hand and say, do you see the scars? Do you see the scars? Do you, do you want to feel something? Let me, let me let you feel the side where I was pierced for you. You want to feel my hands? Put your finger in my hands and feel the nails that were driven for you. So that you could live free. So that you could not have to worry about, oh, my life is going to be like this, it's forever like this. Oh, well, it's just the way it is. No, it's not. Not when you serve a God who is an all-time changing God. 
He can change your life. He can restore it. He can deliver it. I always say this that all the time, that God is greater than what you will face because he was greater than Thomas' situation. I said he was greater than Thomas' situation. Where Thomas failed, God stepped in and said, look, I'm not here because I depend on your failures. I'm here because I'm God. And I'm here because I'm going to pick you up and get you back on the path. You know what Thomas did? He didn't stop there. He went and preached. It's rumored, it's not proven 100%, it's rumored that he, would, he was murdered. But he was murdered in India preaching the word of God. And you think, you and I have it bad preaching the word of God. I don't see any money yet coming for us yet. So as long as we're still free, <laughs> worship, give glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Close your eyes right there where you're at. And let's just begin to meditate on God. I want you to think about something. When you are suffering and you're going through some hard times in your life, maybe you're going through a moment right now. Maybe you're going through a struggle in your life. Maybe you're going through something that you've never been through in your life or you're going through something that you're all too familiar with. Whatever it is, whatever the, whatever the case may be. I want you to remember the wounds he gave, the, room, the wounds that he, that he shed, the ones that he got hit, the ones that, you know, the, the, all those marks and bruises and the crown of thorns upon his head. And I want you to remember that God is here for you. And I want you to think about this. If tomorrow wasn't here, if they said tomorrow God is coming and you are going to die, but today was your last day, what would you do with it, with Christ? What would you do with it, with Christ? I want you to see by faith the nail prints on his hand. And know that God is working in your life. God is working in your life. He is doing things that you may not understand. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting for something to come to you. You're saying, God, the only way I'm going to know it's you is if you give me a solid answer. And God says, I'll give it to you. But you have to believe first. You have to believe first that what you're asking for is in my will. And if it's in my will, I will honor and give to you. I want you to see by faith and feel the side of his body where it was punctured. You know, it, it took away the last breath of his air. When they punctured him in his lungs and his ribs, he couldn't probably breathe anymore. But he suffered for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. This altar is open for those of you who wish to come and... Thank you.